When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's never been easier to communicate with people, but it's never been harder to know which platform you're supposed to communicate on. Here's a simpler solution. With call, meet, and message all in one app, Ring Central makes communication easy. With all that connectivity in the palm of your hand, you can work from anywhere with anyone at any time and never miss a beat. Because when it comes to communication, simple is better. Learn more at ringcentral.com. Ring Central, simpler communications. Start a journey, not a fad. Kick off your fitness journey with up to $500 off Peloton Bike, Bike Plus, or Tread Packages. Choose the package that will take your training to the next level with accessories like our cycling shoes, heart rate band, non-slip grip dumbbells, and more. Join now and you'll see why 92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. All access membership separate. Offer ends January 8th, 2023. Excludes Bike, Bike Plus, and Tread Basics. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com. Play Fantasy. Today's episode is brought to you by Flex Fantasy, and they want me to relay a message to you that they have cracked open the game of fantasy football to all. When you sign up for a free account and download the Flex Fantasy app, you can import all your teams from all your leagues across multiple platforms that you play on. Spice up your fantasy playing experience by challenging league mates or strangers off the street to a fantasy matchup no matter how or where they play. And put your money where your mouth is by placing a wager on your head-to-head matchup. It doesn't matter if you are on Yahoo and your opponent is on Sleeper. You can import your teams to Flex Fantasy to face off. You can even make wagers on who you think will win between other challenges besides your own. So sign up for a free account and download the app to try it out at Flex.Fan. This is the MD Fantasy Football Show with Dan Mader. Giving you the X's and O's of all things fantasy. Welcome in, everybody. It's time for a primetime recap here on the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Thanks for tuning in live on our YouTube channel. Please subscribe if you have not already done so. That way you can get up to date on all of our content as it becomes available to you. And check us out live on bellyup.tv. If you missed an episode, that's okay. Just go on demand to the Foxy Network app when your LG, Samsung, Roku, or Amazon Fire TV devices and look for the Belly Up Sports TV category. Or you can just simply just stay up to date with the show when you're on the go and download us on your favorite podcast app. Please give us a five-star review as that greatly helps out the show. 
As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater. We do got the primetime recap today. Talk about the Sunday night and Monday night games. We got the waiver saviors heading into week seven so we can get you guys better. And looking forward, we're officially at the halfway point for your fantasy football regular seasons. And last but certainly not least, and really frankly, it's not even last in the episode, our heroes and zeros, or otherwise my right and wrong calls of the week. So it's a jam-packed show. Let's go ahead and just dive right into it. Now, we usually start off with our thumpers and bummers, but I don't have any quarterback thumpers out of the primetime matchups. We'll get into why later during the extra credit game notes of the week, but we do have a couple of bummers. Quarterback bummers. Oh, it was rough. It was rough. And both bummers are coming out of the Monday night matchup. Justin Herbert, our number two bummer of the week, 238 yards, no touchdowns, one interception, didn't really tack on much on the ground either. Threw the ball 57 times. I know the Denver Broncos defense is good, but Herbert's somebody you've been depending upon as a top 10 quarterback somebody you probably drafted inside the top five and spent that draft capital on him, and it's been a rough going. We'll get into what we have, the silver linings moving forward in the extra credit game notes in the next segment, but man, oh man, was it a rough one out of Herbert. And of course, on the other side, Russell Wilson. And I got more to say about Wilson in the next segment, so I don't get too much into it now. But only 188 yards, does have a passing touchdown, 23 yards on the ground but 188 yards. It was another abysmal game out of Russell Wilson, who just looks completely lost along with the rest of that Denver Bronco offense right now, unfortunately. Did have some running back thumpers, though. Running back thumpers. This is Sparta! Actually, we were able to come away with three running back thumpers between the two primetime matchups. Something that doesn't happen very often. Our number three thumper of the week, Miles Sanders. 71 yards, gets a rushing touchdown to boot. And what you have to feel good about with Sanders, that Boston Scott came back and it was okay. It didn't ruin the rotation like I thought it might when I brought that up during the Clairvoyant Thursday show. So I had I had Miles Sanders on the lookout for. I was still playing him as an RB2. I was still inside my top 24, but I was a little bit concerned what happens when Boston Scott comes back, because sometimes that can mess up the rotation because they just they love to get everybody involved for absolutely no reason, even though Miles Sanders is clearly the best running back in that backfield. And frankly, I don't think it's quite close. But Miles Sanders was able to come through in a tough matchup when the offensive line for the Philadelphia Eagles was banged up and got worse as that game went on. And he still produced for you if you're sticking with him in that spot. Our number two thumper of the week for the primetime games was Ezekiel Elliott. His best game of the year looks great. Going up against a really tough Eagles defense. Average 6.2 yards a carry. Gets a touchdown. Gets 81 yards on the ground. Zeke has given you something to hope for. We haven't really we haven't seen Dak Prescott other than for three and a half quarters so far this season. And Zeke, from a physical standpoint, for me has looked good, has looked fine to good. And he's still leading the way in that backfield. If the offense is going to get a little bit better now moving forward with Prescott returning, well, Zeke Elliott might be working his way back into the top 20 on a weekly basis pretty soon. 
and came through the big one here. You probably weren't excited to play him. I know I wasn't. And yet he surprisingly showed out. And then our number one thumper of the week, it wasn't pretty, but Austin Eckler just finding a way to get the job done because he just catches the ball at an insane rate. Only had 36 yards on the ground, did get the rushing touchdown, but 16 targets for 10 receptions and 47 yards. So if you're sitting there in half-point, full-point PPR leagues especially, he walked away with an RB1 performance on the week. Can't ask for much more. It doesn't matter how you get there, just get there. And that's exactly what Austin Eckler did in a rough Monday night game that went into overtime. We do have one running back bummer. Running back bummers. I don't have a good explanation for what happened outside of it had to be injury related. Melvin Gordon gets eight yards. He was a lock him in play for me, a top 20 pick. He got added to the injury report late in the week, and that kind of screwed everything up. We had a, we had our show on Clairvoyant Thursday when we covered the Monday night game. Wasn't anticipating, because up until that point, Melvin Gordon wasn't on the injury report, wasn't anticipating him being a real issue. And then we were checking for updates all throughout the day, all throughout Sunday, and then he gets listed as active. So my advice was he's active, fire him up. The Chargers have been a leaky sieve to say the least, for the running back position. And I thought of nothing else, even though Russell Wilson's bad, Melvin Gordon should have a very decent game. Has had a decent game up until this point. Had a decent game against the Colts, even when the rest of the Denver Bronco offense was completely putrid. He had the extra time to recover, and it did not matter. Still kind of listened with the neck thing, but also picked up a rib injury somewhere along the way. And it's the only explanation I can come up with, because the guy only had three carries, didn't play, Latavius Murray and Mike Boone were the guys. I saw somebody put a note in there like, oh, Melvin Gordon got benched. Gordon didn't get benched. There has to be something wrong. He is immensely more talented than a Latavius Murray and a Mike Boone. But he does have to be healthy moving forward. And this just reminded me of what happened a couple of weeks ago, or actually last week, during the Sunday night matchup where T. Higgins wound up being active. So you played him, and then... It turns out he probably should have never been out there. Looks like the same thing might have happened with Melvin Gordon here, and it screwed all fantasy owners if you were hoping for a good Monday night matchup to help you win your leagues. He lost it on every front. Eight yards, that's it. What a shame performance out of Melvin Gordon here. I didn't have a single wide receiver thumper for this week. The Eagle receivers, Smith and A.J. Brown, they scored, but... Didn't quite classify as a thumper performance out of either one of them, so they didn't really make my list. And there was nobody else even came close as far as the wide receivers are concerned between the two primetime matchups. Did have a couple bummers, though. Wide receiver bummers. Yeah, of course it's a Monday night game that we have to talk about. Mike Williams gets six targets, but only turns that into two receptions for 17 yards. We were obviously had a little bit of caution because we knew Patrick Sutan would likely be on Mike Williams, and that's been a bit of a downgrade. Was not anticipating it being to this level. You tell me Justin Herbert throws the ball 57 times, and Mike Williams only gets six of them. That is not expected. So it's another dud performance that really left you hanging on a Monday night game. 
it shouldn't have been that bad. I mean, yes, again, Pat Sertan is a downgrade, but it shouldn't leave Mike Williams with no Keenan Allen just left out the dry completely. That should not have happened. But unfortunately, he duds there. And our number one bummer of the week is Cortland Sutton. Three targets, two receptions, 14 yards. Ugh. Cortland Sutton had been the one player up until this point that had been bad Russell Wilson, bad Nathaniel Hackett proof. Whether it was a touchdown or 100 yards in the air, he had been getting it done one way or another pretty much every single week so far this season. It finally caught up to him this week. He draws a tough matchup against Asante Samuel, and that, that's part of it. But the other part of it is that, unfortunately, we have to view this as if Russell Wilson continues to be this bad, then dud performances are just something that are going to have to run a risk with Sutton, who is no longer Russell Wilson-proof every single week. He's been pretty consistent up until this point, though. We're heading into week seven. I don't want to take this away from Cortland Sutton. I don't want to act like heading into next week now, he's a boomer bust wide receiver three, because that's not the case. But it was really a shame performance here for a guy that had been consistent for you to this point, and you were depending upon to be a high-level wide receiver two in your lineups. And just, it was a bummer. I did have a tight end thumper. Tight end thumpers. This is Sparta! Now, this guy hardly qualified as a thumper, but he had the biggest play of the night, and it was his NFL debut. Greg Dolchich. So, Albert O, healthy and active. So, I think it's safe to say his job as a starting tight end is over. Greg Dolchich takes over that job. Looked like he could have been off for a big game because he hits it right away in the first quarter. 39 yards for a touchdown. It was busted coverage, which is why I don't want you guys to get your hopes excited about a new tight end emerging. But, hey, he's the starting guy. He scored a touchdown. He's got 44 yards. As a tight end, especially these primetime matchups with how putrid it was at the tight end position, eh, he qualifies as a thumper for sure. Did have a tight end bummer, though, as well. Tight end bummers. So really, we had two bummers here. So the first one, our number two bummer of the week, or our number, sorry, our number two bummer of the week, Gerald Everett. Got the volume that you were looking for, and I wasn't expecting a big performance out of him against the Denver Broncos, who are very good against the tight ends. Really, defensively, very good against pretty much everybody. But you figure without Keenan Allen, and it was so ridiculous at the tight end position with four teams on by, it was just you're just picking for scraps. Figure Joe Everett still had to be a top twelve tight end for me, with the volume expected to be there, and seven targets out of a tight end. I will take that more weeks than not but he was only able to turn into five targets for 29 yards. So I guess if you had a full-point PPR league, it was okay. But unless you had a really close margin heading into Monday night, Joe Ever probably did not put you over the top. And the other thing about this is Donald Parham got involved. He actually had a big play in this game. And Keenan Allen's on his way back. So I don't know if Joe Everett's even going to be a thing now moving forward for your fantasy football lineups, and likely will be a guy you can go ahead and drop moving forward, too. So really a bummer from that standpoint because it carries on past just this week. And then a number one bummer, Dallas Goddard. 
kind of got left out in the offense here. Five targets, two catches, 22 yards. Wasn't a prolific night for the Eagles passing attack to begin with against the Dallas defense. But the receivers were able to score. Dallas got her. It wasn't as a result. A guy who's been a top six tight end just did not perform at all in the Sunday night matchup either. But that does it for our bummers and thumpers for the primetime matchups. Let's get into our notes of the games. I know, I know, I know. What do we know coming out of those primetime games? Well, starting off with the Dallas Eagle game. My notes for the Dallas Cowboys is first and foremost, Cooper Rush came back down to earth. Three interceptions in this game. For the Cowboys' sake, for the fandom, for the organization, probably came at the right time. Look, the fact that you were able to go 4-2 and two with Dak Prescott not available to you, I think if you're a Dallas Cowboy fan, you're, there, you're that organization, you're Mike McCarthy, you got to feel pretty good about where you're at right now. And you're really not overly upset about the loss against the Philadelphia Eagles on Sunday night, which you did make a pretty good game out of. So Cooper Rush comes back down to reality against a tough defense. Now Prescott, all signals, as long as everything goes well in practice this upcoming week, looking like he's going to return against the Detroit Lions too. So great for fantasy football purposes because he'll, he'll be a thing against Detroit. I'll have him ranked inside my top 12. And those will be rankings will be available to you on BellyFantasySports.com like they always are at the very least by Thursday morning, most likely by Wednesday night. We got out ahead of it this week, thankfully. So now all that goes away. Yep, CeeDee Lamb didn't have a big performance. Only the running backs were the only shines here. Ziga Elliott did well, but Tony Pollard still got 11 carries. Didn't get left out, but he just didn't have a big run. Wasn't really involved in the passing game. Only had two catches, eight yards. Pollard just continues to be that guy in the flex position that if the matchup dictates as such, you can play him with some upside. But you know that if you play Tony Pollard, if you have to play Tony Pollard, there is a low floor that comes with him because he is second fiddle to Ezekiel Elliott. Prescott, though, gives hope to all. Gives hope to CeeDee Lamb being the mid-level wide receiver one that I ranked him to be and a lot of other people did as well. Gives hope that there's some upside to the running backs as his offensive line gets healthier. Remember, Tyrone Smith should be back at some time in November too. And if you have Prescott, the offense should be better. That should lead to more scoring opportunities for the running backs and really everybody involved. So there's reason to have some high hopes right now with Dallas moving forward which just makes it very, very interesting. That's why better days on the horizon. Don't forget about Michael Gallup. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. 
go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. Now that he's a few weeks into it, he should be pretty close to game shape that we would expect out of a Michael Gallup. Dak Prescott comes back. There'll be more shots down the field. So Gallup, while I'm not going to be necessarily ready to start him against Detroit next week, might be a DFS play. We'll be able to start ramping him up pretty soon. So now you have him as a fantasy value asset. You've been holding on to Michael Gallup so far at this point. That should be able to pay off. Could be as soon as next week. Probably won't be in my lineups next week. But we might be able to start playing him after that. If he shows promise with Prescott back in the lineup. On the Philadelphia Eagles side of the ball. Look, the Eagles are just, they can win in a multiple fashion. That plain and simple. They can lean on their defense. They can do a good enough job in the run. And they don't always have to open it up in the passing game. This is, a very, this is a very good Dallas defense. They're even better than they were last season. They are. They might not be getting the same turnovers, same clip that they were last year, but they're letting up way less points. They are a better defense than they were last year. So it's not surprising that guys like maybe Jalen Hurts was a little bit limited. Dallas Goddard was limited. But the receiver still got the job done. That was the good news. A.J. Brown, 67 yards, a touchdown, eight targets. Devonta Smith, five catches on five targets, 44 yards, but he also gets in the red zone. You just you play those guys every play all those guys every single week. Jalen Hurts, A.J. Brown, Devonta Smith, Miles Sanders, Dallas Goddard. You play those guys every single week, and you just don't worry about it. Now, next week, they're on a bye. So you can't, you can't play them next week because they're on a bye week. But that's okay. When they come back, the Eagles have one of the easiest schedules from here on out for the rest of the season. Meaning you're going to have ceiling play after ceiling play after ceiling play available to you for all the guys you've been depending upon for fantasy football purposes. It's really exciting if you have parts of this Philadelphia Eagle offense. And look, if it's a bye week, maybe there's teams that are desperate right now. You can somehow buy low in those guys because maybe teams can't afford to have key players on a bye week right now because they're one and five or two and four, whatever the case may be. Well, go ahead and take your shot. See if you can get an A.J. Brown or Devonta Smith or Dallas Goddard. You're probably not going to get Jalen Hurts or Miles Sanders right now, given the market. But those other guys, I don't know what it would cost you. I'm just saying you have a chance to buy low on them. Just send a couple feelers out. It has to be in the perfect situation, but those are situations you learn to strike. The offensive line also should get healthier. And as the offensive line gets healthier with those matchups, sky's the limit really for all these guys across the board. That's all we really need to talk about with, with that game. The Broncos-Charger game, though, th- this this has a little more to it. So let's start with the Denver side of the ball. And my Lord, Russell Wilson, what happened? You're supposed to be a veteran quarterback. Never mind the fact that you have weapons, by the way. With Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy, you have a good running back. I know the offensive line got banged up and lost Garrett Bowles, which is a huge loss for the season. There's no doubt about it. You have weapons. Guys are still open. And he was just flat out not seeing people wide open over the middle of the field. Whether or not it's because it's so, he's so short that he just misses those guys sometimes, whatever the case may be, you're a veteran quarterback. And he's looking like, he looks like Justin Fields out there. He looks like a young guy who has absolutely no idea how to read defenses at all. Looks like he has no idea what he's seeing. That's my note. 
Russell Wilson can't see the field. And I follow that up with Nathaniel Hackett. If this keeps up, there's no way Nathaniel Hackett's going to make it the season. Not only do I already have him pegged to being a one-and-done head coach, I don't know if he makes the year if this continues. It's another game where the Broncos can't score more than 16 points. I'm sorry. Stop telling me this system is so hard to learn. Your system shouldn't be this hard to learn. That really good weapons, a team that should have been a Super Bowl contender, frankly, with name brands like Wilson and Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy and started off the year with Javante Williams. You weren't scoring when he was in the lineup either. And your offense consistently can only put up 16 points. Heading into this game, Here's what I want you guys to think about. Heading into this game, the Denver Broncos were the least scoring team in the NFL. Heading into this matchup on Monday night. That means they score less points than the Carolina Panthers. Less points than the Chicago Bears. How is that possible? That's where you're at with the Denver Broncos. That's how bad it is. Think about those teams I just talked about how bad their status is as offensive line. At least in their case, they only have maybe one or two playmakers total. This offense loaded with guys who are supposed to be good. Nathaniel Hackett cannot make it the entire season if this continues. Just can't. And I, I don't know I don't know how this gets better. I don't. That's why you're Cortland Sutton, I love him. Like he said, he's found a way to be consistent up until this week. But you have to deal with the fact that when this offense is this bad, no one's safe. How many pieces do you want to have in this offense? Jerry Judy led the way at the receivers with three catches and 54 yards. We haven't been wanting to play him. How can you? It's got to the point where outside of Cortland Sutton, I don't know how. If I want to play anybody on Denver Broncos, which leads me to my last note, Melvin Gordon, question mark. I'm hoping, because he didn't fumble in this game, so it's not like he got benched for fumbling. I'm hoping that he just was not healthy enough to be out there. Tried to give it a go, was active, started off the game with three carries, and they decided he can't go. He can't be out there. He's in too much pain from the neck and the rib injury. I'm hoping that's the case. I refuse to believe that Nathaniel Hackett is so stupid, and I can't put it past him because he might be, but I can't, I, I can't believe that he's to that level that he would truly prefer Latavius Murray and Mike Boone to Melvin Gordon. I, I just don't see that being the case. So Gordon right now, I mean, you can't move off of him. You have to, you have to hold him. What you're going to look for in the upcoming week is does he practice in full? Because we're still dealing with this neck and rib thing, and he's limited and active again by nature, or by default. I mean, my God. How can you be able to trust to play him? And the offensive line, losing Garrett Bowles, I mean, it wasn't like there was a lot of holes out there. Although I will say, Latavius Murray, 4.4 yards carry. And I do feel like if Latavius Murray get 4.4 yards to carry, then there's hope that Melvin Gordon can still be efficient too. Although, it was against the Los Angeles Chargers and one of the worst teams against the run all season long to this point. I also want to point this out too. While Mike Boone wasn't far off from Latavius Murray as far as snap count goes, he barely touched the ball. One carry, one catch. 
Murray had 15 carries. Mike Boone, that that might be a thing. Mike Boone might be the third string running back now. Which means when we get to the waiver saviors later on, take out Mike Boone, put in Latavius Murray as the possible handcuff to Melvin Gordon. As unsexy as that is, that might be what we're looking at right now. On the Chargers side of the ball, look, Austin Eckler was still great. Josh Palmer, 12 targets, 9 catches, 57 yards. Nothing special, but full-point PPR leagues, he got the job done. Half-point PPR leagues, he had a safe floor. And you kind of you only want to have to play him when Keenan Allen's out anyway. The expectation is, as I understand it, as long as he doesn't have a setback, Keenan Allen will be back next week, and they got the Seattle Seahawks. So that means Palmer is a guy that goes either on your benches or can even contemplate maybe dropping him. If you have the bench spot, you have the roster spot available, I would not drop Josh Palmer if you've been using him in replacement of Keenan Allen because it is a hamstring injury. So the likelihood is that if he's going to have a setback, it's that first game back. So if, if Keenan Allen gets through this week unscathed, then, then Josh Palmer can be more of a drop for me. But I would try to hold him if you've been having him on your roster up until this point until you see Keenan Allen actually get through the game next week. That would be my advice with Palmer. Better days will be ahead for Mike Williams, and your hope is with Herbert, who's been a disappointment fantasy-wise up until this point, is that with Keenan Allen returning, it will hopefully lead the way to them getting back on track as an offense and for his fantasy status, too, to have his number one bread-and-butter go-to guy that just makes all the other pieces fall back into place. Like, Josh Palmer as a receiver three is a very good receiver three. Mike Williams is better suited in his role when he's the wide receiver two, especially when he gets tough defenses like this. So instead of seeing Patrick Sertan, he would get the matchup that Josh Palmer had on the other side. Things of that nature. That's kind of what we're looking at here. Like I said, the tight end position, Everett, he's going to be off my board probably because Donald Parham's just going to play more and more. He He had a decent performance here in this one. I mean, Keenan Allen comes back. He operates in a similar part of the field. Like, it's going to take away from Everett as well. So, Everett probably going to start falling outside of my top 12 more weeks and not moving forward. But that's it for those notes. So, let's take a quick break. Come back on the other side. We'll get to my heroes and zeros, my right-wrong calls of the week, and the waiver saviors heading into week seven because it's time to get better, baby. Now that we're done the primetime recap, we officially put week six behind us, start to look forward to week seven. So everybody stay tuned to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. We'll be back right after this. Football is back, baby. And our new sponsor, True Classic, wants you to look and feel your best even after a couple of brewskis or going full force on your fantasy football draft. Sure, it's football season, but it's also butt-to-couch season. Luckily, True Classic has the absolute best-fitting clothing a man can buy. Snug in the arms and chest with a little extra space in the torso, their t-shirts are designed to keep you cozy and highlight your best assets no matter what you're up to. So if your special someone is upset that you're watching football all day, at least you can look good doing it. True Classic has already helped over 2 million men find the perfect fit at an affordable price. Our listeners get access to the best deal they offer. For a limited time only, get 25% off with the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY at trueclassic.com. Almost all men's t-shirts are designed to look good on skinny models with six-packs, but most of us aren't packing anything but a few beers. 
Fellas, you are wearing the wrong clothes. True Classic tees taper off towards the bottom, but they fit tighter around the chest and shoulders. It's time to highlight your best attributes with a t-shirt you can always confidently throw on. It's about time to get your fit together, so upgrade your wardrobe with True Classic and get 25% off at trueclassic.com with promo code BELLYUPFANTASY. Free shipping included on purchases over $100. That's 25% off at trueclassic.com with the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY. If there's one bet you should make this football season, it's on True Classic. True Classic, look good, feel good. This is the MD's Fantasy Football Show with Dan Mader. Giving you the X's and O's of all things fantasy. Oh yeah, welcome back into the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Thank you for tuning in live on our YouTube channel. Please subscribe if you have not already done so. So that way you always know when we have new content available. You can check us out live on bellyup.tv on any web browsing device. Download the show on your on-demand TV devices such as LG, Samsung, Roku, and Amazon Fire TV. When you download the Foxy Network app, look for the Billy Up Sports TV category. Or just stay up to date with the show when you're on the go. Download us on your favorite podcast app. Please give us a five-star review. Greatly helps us out. Helps me help you, as I like to say. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater. We just did our primetime recap, our thumpers and bummers. And now it's time to talk about my heroes and zeros of the week. Dan's heroes and zeros. My right and wrong calls. And let's start off the quarterback position with my heroes. Quarterback heroes. My number two hero of the week, Jimmy Garoppolo. Wasn't pretty. Wasn't even particularly that good of a game. But Jimmy Garoppolo still managed to finish inside the top 15. I had him ranked as QB 14. I had him as a guy that you could possibly stream. And believe it or not, if you had a quarterback who gave you 14 or more points this week, you had a guy who was hovering around the top 12 position because that's how bad it is. That's how bad this week is. That's how bad the quarterbacks have been. And this is why I talk about, like, at the end of the year, I do, I usually do the consistency, you know, episodes, kind of reflect upon the year and, Talk about the guys who are the most consistent for you. And I do it a little bit differently than a lot of people out there. There's a lot of people out there who focus on points. Like, oh, did you consistently score over a certain point threshold? And that's all fine and good. And I'm not saying that's not important. It is. But when I do it, I do it based on finishes. I don't do it based on points. Because the way I look at it is, I don't care if you scored one point or scored 100. Where you finish dictates whether or not you are actually a starter. Where you finish dictates whether or not you helped my team win that week. So when you look at the quarterbacks this year, it could even be offenses across the board because we're having some terrible, terrible scoring. But where these guys finish, like Jimmy Garoppolo, 15 points. That was good enough to finish as a top 14 quarterback. Well, then he gets a finish as, you know, a guy who's a borderline starter. Wasn't a bust. Normally, you would say 14, 15 points. That's a bust for the quarterback position. Years past, it would have been, but it wasn't this year because of where he finished. And where he finished is more important because that means, well, he still finished better than more than half the other guys out there. 
that's what's more important. So it'll be really funny when we go to review some of the consistency things and we actually took a look at the points. It might not be that impressive, but where guys finished is more important as far as where it dictates did they help you win or not. Let's get into my, well, that, that's my number two hero. Let's talk about my number two zero. Quarterback zeros. Tom Brady. So this sucked. I had him as a lock-in, top eight guy. I think I had him as a QB seven on the week. Man, I had him QB six, actually. Thought for sure, weapons are back. Volume's there. Two weeks prior, 52 times each of the last two games going into this game. Chris Godwin's getting healthier and more in game shape. Mike Evans is really good. And you're playing against a Pittsburgh Steelers team that just got lit up by the Buffalo Bills. And it's an offense, in the, Bu- in the Bucks that is, that is looking to get really back on track and firing all cylinders. And this seemed like a really good opportunity for that to happen. Steelers were playing their JV squad on defense, by the way. I mean, it's not just you don't have TJ Watt. They didn't have Mika Fitzpatrick. They didn't have several other starters in that lineup. Like, nothing to really go off of. And yet... Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Tampa Bay's offense struggle. He still threw the ball over 40 times. So the volume that I was anticipating was still there. But it still wound up being a really bad performance. And it was just my bad to say that he should have been a locked-in guy. I don't know if I'm coming off of it moving forward. We'll have to see this week. But it was really disappointing that they were not able to take advantage in what should have been a lock-em-up matchup. Quarterback heroes. So it's weird calling this guy a hero, but he was a right call for me, even though he had a bad performance, and that was Matthew Stafford. So ECR still had Stafford as a top 12 quarterback against Carolina Panthers. I was one of the lowest on him because I had him at QB 15. And I told you guys, don't start him. Look for another option. Find another option. I said play Garoppolo over Matthew Stafford. It's brutal. I don't care that he's going up against Carolina Panthers. He's been so bad. The offensive line's been so bad. I don't care. The only guys I'm willing to play is Cooper Cup and Tyler Higby, and even Tyler Higby had his first dud game of the year. Cooper Cup actually wasn't really that great for his standards. Seven catches, 80 yards. You usually take that with most guys, but for his standards, that's, that's not a very good game. So even against the Carolina Panthers, who had Philip Walker, a new head coach, an organization that looks like it's complete disarray right now, and the Rams still couldn't do that much. They won the game, sure, 24 points, and Stafford still sucked. There's no reason to own Matthew Stafford right now, and I'm pretty sure I hit this drop on him last week or a couple weeks ago, but if you're still holding on to Matthew Stafford... Prepare to be flushed. Get rid of them. You're wasting your time. And I was right on that front. 
quarterback zeros. So he got hurt in this game, but that was still no excuse because he was having a horrible game anyway. And I said coming into the matchup, but like, look, Carson Wentz, when he plays against below average defenses, you can stream him. And then he puts up a four-point performance and doesn't even throw for 100 passing yards against the Chicago freaking Bears. The Chicago Bears. 99 yards against the Chicago Bears. I had Carson Wentz on my QB 12, so I, I had him as a low-end QB 1. I'm sorry. I am so sorry. Because it's not even like this, this, this horrible performance came on Sunday where you're just like, oh, man. It happened on Thursday night. So you went in all weekend long with Carson Wentz having four points at your quarterback position. Feeling like the entire time you had no shot. And he that probably did cost you the game. Most likely. This is a weird scoring week, so there was a lot of low scores out there. Maybe if you had a good enough team, you were able to overcome. For the most part. But in all likelihood, Carson Wentz cost you the game. Now he's he paid the price. Now he's out for the next four weeks. He had surgery today or yesterday. You're watching the show on Tuesday night. He had surgery on Monday. Definitely a bad call by me, though. Running back heroes. Ramondre Stevenson, baby. I had him ranked inside my top five. It was an obvious starter. I said, never fear. Pierre Strong, Kevin Harris, I don't care who they activate off the practice squad. This will be Ramondre Stevenson's backfield. The Patriots will not do Patriot things and just rotate guys for the sake of rotating guys. It's not going to happen. Ramondre Stevenson's too good. They like him too much, and they're going to let him lead the way. And that's exactly what they did, and it paid off in a huge, huge way. Ramondre Stevenson coming through for me and for MD Nation. Running back zeros. Uh, Melvin Gordon, I got, I, I can't, I can't not put him in there. I have to bring it up at least one more time this show, and this will be the last time I talk about him this show, hopefully. Eight yards and a smash matchup against the Chargers. I don't know, I don't know what to tell you. He should not have been active, and that would have been better because at least if you guys pivot to Latavius Murray. At least he would have got something. So the Broncos screwed you. Nathaniel Hackett screwed you. And we had to sit there and watch Melvin Gordon get .8 points in your fantasy football lineups, which should have been a pretty key start for him. Running back heroes. Kenneth Walker, baby. I had him ranked as an RB10. I was three spots higher than the ECR. I actually had the cojones to rank him as an RB1, his first game as a full-time starter. And now we even have the hope that maybe he can get involved in the passing game because he actually had three targets. DJ Dallas had zero. So he might not just be pitching hold the first, second down and goal line work. And he's so explosive. He's not always going to be that consistent, efficient guy who just falls forward for four yards. He's going to have a couple like carries, you know, go a yard, maybe get stopped stuff behind the line of scrimmage, but then he just pops one. That's going to be who he is. He's going to hit a couple big runs every single game. Ken Walker has the opportunity to be an RB1 the rest of the way. At the very least, he's a high-end RB2, and that's minimum, as long as he stays healthy. 
and his offense being that it's better than we expected to just ups his ceiling that much more because now he has more scoring opportunities, more chances to move the ball. Love Kenneth Walker. Glad I was ballsy on him. Made him an RB1 right out the bat, and it paid off in a big way. Running back zeros. So part of this is because he got injured, but J.K. Dobbins was somebody who I was pretty aggressive on. I had him as a top 24 play against the Giants. And really, I don't think I was wrong as far as my process goes because then I watched Kenyon Drake go for 119 yards and a touchdown on 10 carries against the Giants. You can run as good as the Giants defense has been, you can run on them. And I was hoping Dobbins would have one of his one, two touchdown performances. And again, it had more to do with the knee stiffening, as they called it. And we have to exactly see what that means moving forward. But I had Dobbins pretty aggressively as a guy that should have been a key cog in your lineups. And unfortunately, that just didn't work out. Wide receiver heroes. Gabe Davis. I ranked him as a top 20 wide receiver. I'm going to consistently rank him as a wide receiver too. I don't care if he continues to get six targets. I don't care. Because the big play touchdown is a more consistent prospect for his game than most guys in a similar situation. Most guys who are that boomer bust, yeah, they're going to be wide receiver threes. You're going to go into it knowing they have a low floor. But with Gabriel Davis, I don't even feel like he has a low floor, even though it's six targets a game that he's getting. Because that bomb, as long as he's fully healthy, that bomb's coming. That big play touchdown's coming. Because this offense is so good and just has so much volume it's just bound to happen at some point during the game. Plain and simple. So would I like Gabriel Davis to have his targets be more like eight a game rather than six a game? Yeah, sure. It's not going to stop me from ranking him as the top 20 wide receiver week in and week out. Because the big play is actually a consistent attribute of his game. Wide receiver zeros. All right, my bad. My bad on Juju. Now, I know nobody's really that excited about Juju to begin with. You're like, oh, why was it so bad? I was 14 spots lower than the ECR. I had him ranked at wide receiver 48. ECR had him ranked at wide receiver 34. So if you paid attention to the ECR, then you might have played him as a flex play where I was pretty much telling you, look, bench him at all costs. The Buffalo Bills are a good defense and I made the argument really heading into the week. I was like, look, I don't know which Kansas City receiver it's going to be. I said one was going to go off. I did say that. I said one receiver of the Chiefs was going to go off because there's going to have to be enough volume at a Patrick Mahomes, and he's too good, even against a good defense like Buffalo. Somebody was going to have to do something. It wound up being Juju Smith-Schuster with a big, you know, over 100-yard touchdown performance. Not something I'm going to expect on a consistent basis at all. So only had five targets. His big play touchdown had more to do with, I guess the corners were trying to strip the ball. I'm not really sure, but they were definitely not trying to actually tackle the player. And that led to him getting what's going to be his biggest play of the year. No, this does not move Juju Smith-Schuster up my board moving forward either. doesn't really change anything. When they play zone coverage, he'll be my lead receiver for the Chiefs. My hope is after their bye week, after week eight, I think their bye week's in week nine, 
When they come back in week 10, my hope is that they're going to finally let Sky Moore get some actual significant playing time and maybe overtake one of these guys. At least overtake Nicole Hardman. Like, what a waste of space. These guys, Marcus Valescaling had the worst game, I know, but get somebody out there who's actually good and can make a play. And if you're not going to bench Juju, which I, I'm guessing at this point, they're probably not, then at least bench Nicole Hardman for Sky Moore because he could play that role. So that that's my hope. That's my hope for Sky Moore. But that's also why I don't get excited about these Chiefs receivers. But yeah, I got to own the fact that I was way lower than the rest of the ECR. And he did wind up having a pretty decent game. Wide receiver heroes. Michael Pittman, baby. I had him at wide receiver 10. ECR at wide receiver 18. I was eight spots higher. Didn't have him as a low-end wide receiver too. I stuck with my guns. Everybody's asking what's wrong with Michael Pittman. Matt Ryan, Michael Pittman, not on the same page. I'm like, they played the Denver Broncos. Who here had Mike Williams last night? Did you feel all that good about that? Are you now suddenly never going to play Mike Williams again because Patrick Sertan shut him down? No. No, you're not. Pittman is the target monster, the number one look for this team. Matt Ryan, more times than not, because the Colts aren't that good of a team are going to have some high-volume games. Now, I don't know if it'll be this high where he throws the ball from nearly 60 times, but Michael Pittman will be a guy that they go to consistently. So never fear. He's back, and he's here. Let's go with a zero here, though. Wide receiver zeros. I got to tell you, I don't really feel that bad about this one, but I was significantly lower than the ECR again. Darnell Mooney. So I have him at wide receiver 62. And that was more just to illustrate the point that not only should you not be starting him, but he really should still not even be owned. Even though it was the Washington Commanders. ECR, though, they had him at wide receiver 39 based on the Commanders matchup, which made him, you know, a borderline flex play, which I thought was entirely too ballsy, and I was wrong. Justin Fields had his highest passing in attempt total of the year, a whopping 27. But that was enough to get Darnell Mooney 12 targets and making him look like he had a pulse with seven catches for 68 yards. And he wound up having a flex-worthy play as a result of that. Is this a sign of things to come? Maybe. Is he worth picking up if he was dropped in your leagues? Sure. I don't know how confidently I'm going to be playing him anytime soon. The Bears still only put up seven points in this game. And you still have to count on the fact that Justin Fields has only thrown the ball 27 times, not even that high of a number, once so far this season. So a lot of things are at play here when it comes to that, but I own it. I should have been higher on Darnell Mooney, and I wasn't. Tight end heroes. George Kittle never wavered. Ranked him at tight end six, finally gets involved. Had a solid game. Didn't even have a big George Kittle type of game. But this is what I talked about heading into the week. And that's why George Kittle was a lock him in tight end for me. You just have to roll with it. He's not Kyle Pitts in the sense of Kyle Pitts had reached a point where if you wanted to bench him, you could. You probably weren't going to drop him because of the talent. But if you wanted to bench him, was it going to argue with you? Nobody was going to argue with you because that's how bad it had been. George Kittle. Even the games he had played hadn't been much better. But you knew that it would come eventually. You knew as he got healthier, 
they would get him going again. And that's why with George Kittle, it's just one of those things you drafted him. You know what you got yourself in for. You got a guy at tight end position who could be the number one tight end at any given week. He can also, you know, give you like two points and make you hate yourself a tight end position. But that's what he is. That's what he's always been his entire career. You signed yourself up for that roller coaster ride. So you have to ride it and continue playing him like he's an elite level tight end. And this week he came through. Tight end zeros. So Tyler Higby, I have been consistently over the past few weeks ranking him inside my top five just because the volume had been too insane to ignore. And then because Carolina Panthers, he was not involved at all. Now, it was an even worse performance, if there can be one, I think in general for the Rams offense than what we've seen so far this season. And I'm not going to be moving off of Tyler Higby just yet as a top 10 tight end. But I will say this. They lost yet. They lost no blooms. They let yet lost yet another offensive tackle. There comes a point in time where Tyler Higby, who is a good blocking tight end, is going to have to be held back to block more often. And that'll take away some of his routes run, which will in turn take away some of his target volume, which is the only thing really making him an actual viable tight end asset to begin with. So I don't know if this is a sign of things to come, but it could be. So kind of keep your eye on that. In the meantime, bad call by me. Tight end heroes. I, I want to be clear here. I'm not trying to victory lap on this player. But I was four spots higher than the ECR had him ranked. which And I put, it put him in my borderline tight end streaming category as a result of that. Now, it happened Sunday morning, so I didn't get to talk about this on the show. But Mike Isicki, again... Not victory lapping, not saying, yeah, I totally predicted two touchdowns and a big, no, 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 not at all. But when I found out Durham Smythe was going to miss the game, I was like, oh, well, Mike Isicki's going to now be forced to play in situations he wasn't getting playing time before. And if he, that's been his biggest hindrance. If he gets more playing time, he'll get more routes run, he'll get more opportunities. And we know that if Mike Isicki gets more opportunities, he can usually be a pretty productive player. And that's how this thing played out here. So basically, I was hired in the ECR. I took note of that. And that's my note moving forward for him. If Durham Smythe misses, we can have a conversation about Mike Gusecki if you're desperately streaming at the tight end position, which, let's face it, a lot of people are. Tight end zeros. Hayden Hurst. So I made my tight end 10. I shouldn't have. I, I figured T. Higgins after Friday was going to be active, but because he didn't practice Wednesday and Thursday, he was only a limited participant in practice on Friday, I was banking on the idea that he could be active but not utilized, kind of similar to the week before. Because just, I mean, I didn't have any confidence about what he did in practice to feel like he was actually healthier for this game. Well, he was, and he got 10 targets, and as a result, that Hayden Hurst had a dud performance and wasn't as involved as he could have been. Hurst is still going to be a guy who's kind of in that conversation, but as long as Higgins is out there and healthy and actually being utilized, there's only so much that Hurst's ceiling we can actually talk about here. And it's to the point where, yeah, is he probably hovering around that top 16, making him a streaming, streamable option or a streamable conversation, as I like to say? Yes. I would still push to have better guys to play with better ceilings, though even with that being the case. So that's my thing with him moving forward. Shouldn't have made him a top 10 tight end knowing that Higgins was active. I should have made him lower than that. 
That does it for Heroes and Zeros. Let's dive right away into our waiver saviors. Waiver saviors. It's my favorite time because this means we've finally completely put the previous week behind us and it's time to get better. We're hitting the week seven, which means we're at the halfway point because the regular season for fantasy football now is week 14. So we're at the halfway point. We're at the point now where we're figuring out who are the contenders, who are the pretenders, and you have to start making your waiver claims to reflect where your team is at. Do you need to win now? Can you start stashing guys for later on? We're in that part of the we're in that part of the season now. We're completely dictates what kind of team you are. And you know, I've got you covered, hopefully, from multiple angles as far as that goes. Let's dive into the quarterback. So again, you know, these are guys that are less than 50% owned amongst the major platforms, and this is who we're talking about. So first up, I got Jared Goff at 49%. Now, of course, the match against Dallas is not great, but Detroit should be healthier coming back off the bye. St. Brown, DeAndre Swift back in the lineups and back at presumably close to full health. We may even see Jameson Williams get activated. I, I don't know how much that means for week seven, but that could be something to kind of keep your eye on too. TJ Hawkinson should be healthier as well. The offensive line should be back healthy. Remember, they had a couple injuries heading into the bye week with that. And while it's not a good matchup on paper, this team plays at a high pace. Dak Prescott's back for the Cowboys. We might see a higher scoring game than we would normally think when we think about the Dallas Cowboys and the Detroit Lions. So kind of keep that in mind. That's why I think Jared Goff can still be a streaming option. I will say Jimmy Garoppolo, who's only 16% owned, is going to be in a similar territory, if not ahead of Jared Goff. And I'll have to see exactly how the rankings wind up breaking down soon. But playing against Kansas City, the 49ers, what they did against Atlanta, that's not what they want to do to win games. They're going to want to try to run the ball a little bit more. But the volume Garoppolo had made him a streaming option, even though the team only put up 14 points. Well, there's a decent chance against Kansas City, especially when it's questionable to have Nick Bosa Javarius Ward, Eric Armstead, Javon Kinlaw. The, the list goes on and on. Jimmy Ward, on and on and on and on. 49ers are very banged up on defense, so that vaunted defense right now is vulnerable. And if these guys don't play or can't play anywhere close to 100%, Patrick Holmes is going to put up points. That means the 49ers will have to put up points, or at the very least, Jimmy Garoppolo will have a higher volume in passing. And as we saw last week, that can lead to him being a legitimate streaming option who's very widely available. But the guy I like most of all out of these quarterbacks streaming, believe it or not, is Matt Ryan. Now, again, I don't have my ranks done, so I don't know exactly where he's going to be at, but I can tell you there's a decent chance I'm going to have Matt Ryan ahead of Jared Goff and Jimmy Garoppolo this week. Why? Playing against the Tennessee Titans, who are very good for quarterbacks and wide receivers in fantasy football, and Matt Ryan is coming off of a, a sneaky good performance. Look, he's not good. It's not pretty. But he's passing a hell of a lot of volume. And if Jonathan Taylor misses yet another game, they're just going to go back in shotgun, and they're going to be a pass-first team again. And this is a matchup where if they do that with the volume, well, Matt Ryan's actually interesting, believe it or not. So Matt Ryan, I actually like the most of these streaming options, and he's only 12% owned. And a guy that you probably won't have to do a lot to get either because nobody really wants to play Matt Ryan or admit that they want to, at least except for me, apparently. 
That's it for the quarterbacks. Let's move to our running backs. So we'll talk about Madison. Talk about Rashad White. It's the handcuff central. They're available. Alexander Madison, 38% owned. Rashad White, 26% owned. Go get them if you have Fournette. Go get them if you have Dalvin Cook. It's really that simple. And I will keep putting them on here, even though it's the same analysis every single week. The one that gets a little bit more interesting as far as handcuffs go now after the Monday night game, as I did have Mike Boone on my list, but now we got to see the Monday night game, and it looked like Latavius Murray might be the second running back, not Mike Boone. So that's something to keep in mind. So right now, I think what I would do is approach this is that I'm not going to bother probably picking up a Denver backup running back to Melvin Gordon right now. But if Latavius Murray plays again ahead of Mike Boone, then we know he's the handcuff. If you want to own the handcuff to Melvin Gordon, you may not want to, but if you want to, Latavius Murray might become that guy. So something to kind of keep in mind there. Guys who aren't necessarily handcuffed but have upside. So Gus Edwards. He's only 5% owned right now. I don't know for sure that he gets activated this week, but he will be activated at some point this season. Most likely, if it's not this week, it's probably next week. J.K. Dobbins' knee stiffening. Not what you want to hear, but if he's hurt, if he has to miss time, when Gus is back, Gus is the lead guy. He's better than anything they have in the backfield right now if Dobbins is banged up. So go get us Gus Edwards. That's worth a stash with some decent upside moving forward, especially for touchdowns. And then Kyron Williams. Cam Akers are actively trying to shop him. Darrell Henderson's the lead guy until further notice, but Henderson wasn't very good this past week either. I don't, I don't know how many people can be, but we've heard the reports from Adam Schefter ever since week one. The Rams love Kyron Williams. Personally, I was not a big fan of his coming out in the draft process. I know he had a great career at Notre Dame, but he was a guy that struck me as didn't have a second gear, and he's not that big. So I don't know how much NFL success he's really going to have, especially behind a really bad offensive line, if he's not going to be able to explode his way past the line of scrimmage. But you're looking for running backs who might have potential to volume. Kyron Williams has potential to volume, because if nothing else, Terrell Henderson... He never holds up when he's a lead guy, ever. So if Kyron Williams is back and healthy within the next couple of weeks and he's getting significant run and Henderson goes down, there's a real scenario that at some point Williams will be the starting running back for the Rams this year now that Cam Akers is no longer going to be in the picture one way or another. So go pick him up. Again, only 2% owned. And as long as he's on IR, you can stash him there too. Let's move to the wide receivers. So my big guy is Rondale Moore. Marquise Brown, there's some back and forth as far as what his timelines actually is. It got reported early as expecting to be season ending. It sounded like they got good news when they went for the second opinion. And then we heard a timetable of potentially six weeks. I can't wait to talk to Brian Scott at tomorrow night's show at 10 p.m. Eastern from the Injured List podcast like we do every Wednesday and Thursday night. Make sure you tune in because I'm going to ask him about the Marquise Brown situation and hopefully he'll be able to provide all of us with a little more clarity. But in the meantime, that means DeAndre Hopkins, yes, he's coming back, but it doesn't really affect the target share of a Rondale Moore because, okay, instead of Marquise Brown being the high-target guy, well, now DeAndre Hopkins is. Cool. Rondale Moore still operates in the slot, still gets targeted as the second-most receiver there. Yes, they traded for Robbie Anderson. Robbie Anderson is there to replace the 
ghost of ghosts that is AJ Green right now. Like there, there, there's like ghosts, and I don't, I don't know what's thinner than a ghost, a shadow maybe, but but that's what AJ Green is. Like like should not be out there in an NFL field. It's over. Hang it up. And in fact, after this Robbie Anderson trade for the Cardinals, they just pulled off. He's probably just retired midseason. Just pull Cole Beasley, go away. Because at this point, I don't want to see him out there because I'm like afraid for his safety because he just can't do it anymore. I don't know if Robbie Anderson's ever going to be really that much of a thing for fantasy football purposes. And it doesn't scare me off anybody. What it does, maybe it helps out Kyler Murray. Maybe it helps out the offense to some degree because definitely an upgrade over A.J. Green. That's all I can really say about that. It doesn't affect Rondell Moore's value, and he's 44% owned. So he is available in quite a few leagues out there. Check him out. Isaiah McKenzie, kind of a similar mold of Rondale Moore. A little bit hit or miss probably with his volume from a week-to-week basis, but I just want pieces of that offense. And if I got a guy who's a top three receiver in that Buffalo Bills offense, I'll take the shot. Now, yes, the Bills are on bye this week, so this is purely if you have their extra roster spot and probably if you have a winning record or are sitting pretty right now. Isaiah McKenzie's a guy you can stash because you'll be able to play him as a boomer bust wide receiver three as a flex play in certain matchups. Devin Duvernay, so I know he had a rough game this week, and there is talk that Rashad Bateman could be back. But if Bateman were continued to miss, I'm still going to play Duvernay as a flex guy with confidence. He's been the big play guy anyway. He is the lead receiver when Rashad Bateman is out, and I don't expect Lamar Jackson to continue playing as poorly as he has the past two weeks. I expect him to get it corrected. So 36% owned is a really good pickup if you're a Rashad Bateman owner. So just kind of keep your eye on the practice report as far as that goes. Not a guy you have to spend fab or a priority on. And then Josh Palmer, so I talked about him. He's 30% owned. Yes, we think he and Allen's going to be back, but there's a chance for re-aggravation. We all know that. Josh Palmer, if you're a Keenan Allen owner, you really should own Josh Palmer if he's available to you. And if not, Palmer's guy you stashed, and he's a plug-and-play spot start when Allen does miss. Or even if Mike Williams were to miss, too. He would still be the number two receiver in that scenario as well. What about Alec Pierce? So I talked about Alec Pierce in the Sunday Funday recap, and it was definitely interesting to see that he didn't overtake Paris Campbell in playing time. I, I think that's going to happen sooner rather than later. I don't, I don't buy this idea that Paris Campbell is really going to be able to fend off Alec Pierce all season long. At some point, Alec Pierce will overtake him in playing time. So he's a rookie who has touchdown big play upside and should be looking at more and more playing time as the season unfolds. So why is he only 24% owned? Usually we, we fall over ourselves getting guys like this. Go get Alec Pierce. And then Jamison Williams, kind of in a similar vein, 22% owned. A guy you can put on IR right now if your league has IR, and I think most leagues at this point do. Pick him up. We don't know exactly when he's going to be activated, but it could be soon. And what we've seen in the Detroit Lions is very interesting from the standpoint of it seems like there is definitely room for St. Brown Plus. Like whether it's Josh Reynolds or DJ Chark, I know I know that that part's kind of rotated through who that second receiver is. But that second receiver, because there's such a high-paced offense and a bad defense to boot, so they had to have volume anyway because they got to score in order to keep in games. 
there's room for that second receiver outside of St. Brown to actually be a consistent fantasy contributor. Jameson Williams is immensely talented. I don't know exactly what kind of form he's going to be in coming off that ACL injury. And I do plan on talking to Brian Scott tomorrow about this, but he definitely has tremendous upside. And again, I would have had him as my number one receiver over Drake London had he not blown his ACL in the national championship game. Tremendous upside there at Jameson Williams. And there's room for him to eat, too. And then Wandale Robinson, kind of similar, 6% owned. Got the scoring touchdown last week and played the fourth most amongst receivers for the Giants. That will change as he gets back at the game shape and gets more comfortable because he hasn't been able to practice with his knee issue and he's a rookie. But his playing time should go up and up and up. And it won't be long before he's the favorite target of Daniel Jones. And it won't be long until the Giants hit reality. And when I mean that, I mean their defense hitting reality and start giving up points and them having to come back from behind more often than not. That will come. So Wandale Robinson, make sure he's on your list. And to wrap this thing up with the tight ends, I add Mike Kosicki on there, 40% owned. He is available. I'm only playing him if Durham Smythe is misses. Smythe's out there. I'm not playing Kosicki because he's not going to play enough. But if he's not, we can have a streaming conversation. And Tua is supposed to be back next week, thankfully. Kate Otten. So Cameron Brait, you know, the good news on him was that he had a neck sprain. So that 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 is good news for how bad that hit looks. But regardless, he's missing multiple weeks. Kate Otten now gets to start, be the lead tight end for a Tom Brady offense that, while it hasn't necessarily been overly sharp, has had a lot of volume almost almost 150 pass attempts over three games. So Kate Otten becomes an interesting deep league sleeper too, and maybe he gets going because Julio Jones can't stay healthy and Russell Gage sucks, apparently. Russell Gage has been horrible. And Tom Brady is losing confidence in him. You can see that on the sideline. So Kate Otten might be somebody who emerges at some point. You've been streaming tight ends. Keep your eye on that guy who actually has some upside, something that's hard to find amongst the tight ends. And the same thing goes with Greg Dolch. Now, with Greg Dolch, I'm, a, I'm actually a little bit less excited about Greg Dolch than I am about Cade Otten because I, I know Dolch had the big touchdown. And he winds up having a nice box score by the end of that game. It was off of a blown coverage. He still only had two targets and two catches. With a Russell Wilson offense, which right now, I don't want to be tied to if I can at all help it. Period. I don't want to be tied to it. So that's where it's different for me. So great Dolchitz, he has to be on your radar. He's going to be a starting tight end. They liked him. He has some promise. So he's in the conversation. But I don't necessarily want to go head over heels trying to get a guy tied to this offense right now either, which is why I actually like Kate Otten more than Greg Dolchitz, believe it or not, as of this moment. That does it for the show, though. I hope you guys all enjoyed it, fun and informative. Move forward with your waiver saviors. Move forward in the week seven with success. We'll be looking ahead tomorrow on the Wednesday night edition at 10 p.m. Eastern here on the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. Make sure you download us on your favorite podcast app. And make sure you download the Foxy Network app on your TV devices and catch us on demand if you wish. Make sure you follow us on social media at BillyUpMDFFShow. We will be keeping you up to date because it's a heavy injury week. Guys, we'll see you all tomorrow. And everyone, take care. Care till then. 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.